Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where three best friends try to talk each other and maybe even you into liking what we like. This week is Letterkenny with special guest Ian Mondrick. My name is Jeff, and I spent the first 25 years of my life thinking that everybody called poop uh-uhs because that's what my Italian grandmother called it. My name is Dan, and this past week I have accidentally tried to drink coffee through a mask twice. <laughs> My name is Jimmy, and I choose Pat's King of Steaks over Geno's. Uh, let's get to Dan first. Okay. <laughs> that's just that's just 2020, baby. It's the new world that we live in. It's just normal now. That's You're going to have to adapt, or you're going to have to die. Yeah, living that mask life horde. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So as, uh, as two guys who are not predominantly coffee drinkers and are therefore not addicted to the drinks that they're consuming, have you guys accidentally tried to drink through a mask yet? No. Not yet, but I thought about it. <laughs> Wait. Like when I was wearing a mask, I was like, oh, if I try to drink right now, I would I would forget. But no, I, I haven't had that problem. Oh, OK, yet. when you said you thought about it, I thought you meant you were like considering, should I drink through this mask right now? <laughs> <laughs> I did see a meme where somebody like inserted a uh, like a metal straw through the mask permanently. That was pretty funny. So, Jeff, you, yeah. you, you called poops uh-uhs for how long? Because I think I called it that until I was three. Wait, that's a thing that other people do? Yeah. Jimmy, oh, have you I heard that it, before? No, I never did it. Uh, us. Yeah, I heard. Um, I don't even know how to spell it. I would guess like U H dash U H S. Like uh uh-uh. uh, like uh yeah. uh-uh, You just want in your pants. I just thought for the longest time I thought it was like an Italian slang. <laughs> well, I, I mean, like, both oh, yeah, of our family has both of our families have some Italian slang, so that's still possible. It is. I don't. I heard like uh, through a cousin, like maybe an origin of it, but I don't. I don't think there's an actual origin. It's just we we grew up and it was called uh-uhs, and it wasn't like poopies or duties or make. <laughs> it was it was always uh-uhs, and I thought that everybody <laughs> did. And like I would refer to it as uh-uhs in conversations growing up, and I don't think anybody knew what I meant. And then when I was like in my mid twenties, I found out it was a family thing, or maybe like it was a Southern Italian slang. Who knows? So knows. So fellas, Jimmy, Jack. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on a sec. Hold hold on on a sec. Okay. Hold on. We have to touch on Jimmy's topic. Which one did you prefer? Oh, Pat's. Okay. Of the two, I prefer that. I think that uh, we should revisit this when when I I think Pat's is the correct answer. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, Of the two. But there's uh, a. I know you like Tony Luke's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I like Tony Luke's. Tony Luke's is good. We can yeah. bring we can bring our special guest into this conversation, which is where I was headed because, yes. as Jeff mentioned, um, we have a special guest this week, and he is going to talk us into a show that none of us have watched before, Letterkenny. Nope. Correct. So, Jeff, do you want to explain a little bit before we bring Ian on the Eon. show? 
Eon Prime <laughs> about how this episode is going to be a little different for listeners who are unfamiliar with how we run things when we have a special guest. Yeah, basically, we're just going to skip the talk ourselves into segment, give a little more time to introduce Ian, talk to him, joke around a little bit, and then the show will proceed like normal. And we're going, he's going to explain to us why he likes Letterkenny, why he thinks we should like Letterkenny, and then we're going to discuss the episodes that he chose, and then he's going to ask us the question, and then he's going to be kicked off the show and never welcome back. Yes. (laughs) I'm excited for this one. Jimmy, you excited? Yeah, it's going to be great. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to have esteemed comic book author Ian Mondrick on the podcast talking us into Letterkenny. Okay, we are back. We are, uh, this is normally our talking ourselves into segment that uh, we have already explained that we're not doing today. Because we have a very special guest, very famous comic book writer, <laughs> Ian Mondrick. Oh, How's it going, Ian? Oh, that's so nice to hear not true yet very nice <laughs> things about me like that. <laughs> but I mean, really, I mean, you know, on the scope of fame, any comic book writer, how famous is any comic book writer? So I, I'm closer to, let's say, a Brian Michael Bendis level of stardom than I am like <laughs> a... Uh, Jeff Edwards. Jay Baruchel. To, oh, yes, definitely Jeff Edwards. <laughs> Jay Baruchel. <laughs> That's the first celebrity that came to your head. Um, that is amazing. So there is a reason that uh, he came up, and I'll get into that later. Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay. So, Ian, you have been a longtime friend of this podcast. Uh, for fans who have been listening for a while, we read your comic book, Um Tomb of the White Horse as part of our Halloween roundtable. And we've been wanting so nice. to get you on here for a while now. So to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to know us? Because Jeff ha- has been very good friends with you. I have been somewhat frenemies with you. And Jimmy doesn't know you at all. <laughs> yep. uh, you know, it's, so nice, it's so nice to hear you say that because um, but it's also surprising because I always kind of thought that, like, Jimmy would be my nemesis. He's oh, full-blown nemesis. Okay. I'm somewhere in the middle. Oh, you're... Okay, all right. It's fair. Okay, I got it. So so we're going in the sort of, like, degrees here yeah. of, uh, of... All right. Um, well, I've known Jeff. I've actually, you know, been a friend of this podcast since its birth. Um, but previously to that, Jeff and I met due to... Now, Jeff, you're going to have to help me out with this. Oh, I'm, yeah. This is, this is a great I'm story. Old, I'm old and my brain hurts. Yeah, but uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Dan McNerney, um, who you can find on Twitch uh, at what's I can't remember his Twitch name. I'm terrible. Dark Tiger. Dark Is Tiger, I think. Yeah. Or he goes under like the Dan DeLorean. I think sometimes it'll be in the uh, show notes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, great. Um, so he was uh, a mutual friend, and uh, uh, we he and I ran a site together called Bag and Board. Uh, and then you ran a site <laughs> called me and Dan, Dan and I, yeah. we ran a site called bagged in boredom, which bagged are boredom. T- comic book puns, very similar comic book puns. So you got a hold of me via social media one day and was like, yeah, I, hey, I, w- I- cause they were web comics and right, that's what they were. it was like, it was a web comic forum <laughs> and I was looking for ours and I found yours and we started like a month before you. And I was like, yo, this guy sorry jim uh so i was like i clearly have to like contact him and then 
you were like, yo, let me call you. And I was like, this is the internet. Who calls people? This is weird. So I was like heated. My heart was racing. I was like, I'm going to tell this guy off. Who does he think he is? He's going to call me. I came up with that pun first and I'm smarter than him and nobody else ever thought about it. Hell yeah, let's do this. And then you called me and I was like, yo, this is the sweetest dude I ever talked to in my life. I, oh my God. Yo, I had no idea. All right. So I remember, I think you got a hold of me. And I remember, like, before I think I even responded to you, I called Dan and I was like, yo. I was like, so, I'm like, they got us by a month, son. I was like, we got to do, we, we got to do it. And I was just like, this I was know. This was 2010, because we started in yeah. December 2009. So it was, um, yeah, so it was like a moment where I was just like, hey, man, I'm like, whatever. Like, if he's upset, he's upset. And then we just had, when then I just remember the phone call being very nice. I never remember being like, uh-oh, we're going to be in a fight. I just remember being like, Oh, like, I'm like, of course, somebody almost has that name. I'm like, of course, I'm not clever enough to actually, you know. And then after that, I think, and I think we first met under one of the escalators at the Javits Center. Yes, for New York um, Comic Con with New York your very Comic-Con. pregnant wife, Chelsea. Was, was she really uh, pregnant at the time? Yeah, that's I when I first met you. Uh, and, and now you have like a human adult living with you. It's pretty weird. Yeah, he's. It's so weird. He's 35. <laughs> but it. it he didn't. He, he didn't even go to school. He's got student debt. I don't even understand how that fucking works. <laughs> it it very it, it very quickly went from like this sort of weird like feeling each other out because we had similar names to like working together pretty quickly because when we had our old podcast Incompetent Comic Cabalcast, you guys were heavily involved and eventually Ian became a member of that podcast after I left, which few fueled the feud. Oh, see, like, okay, there's all this working out all of this hatred that I was like not aware of. Ian, this is actually an intervention. We're not actually recording. So, Dan, is the reason that you hated me because I was just so much better on the show than you, or was it, it was because else? I only had one friend? Dan, didn't I only listen. had one friend. His name was Jeff. Oh, and oh, then no. when you became friends with him, I felt my life force slipping away. Oh no, I'm so sorry. I mean, I am. I I do think on my darkest days that I am an energy vampire. So, yeah, and that's that's the so, origin of yeah. our friendship. Yeah, and then and then I became part of IC three, and we did what feels like. It always feels like I came in. To me, it feels like I came in on the back end of IC three. But like we did a bunch of episodes. Too. No, there were two hundred episodes, and you came in around like fifty, like Holy or sixty shit. or something. Yeah, you were you were there for most of it. It blows my mind that we did that. There were. 200 episodes of a podcast every single week sometimes multiple a week it was pretty pretty crazy pretty yeah. bad it was a pretty terrible podcast it was um <laughs> it was fun there, there was de- definitely it was regrettable there was uh there were definitely some regrettable things about it for sure there's some oh, things yeah. that i absolutely loved about it and i will say there was a period there when we were having those feuds with all of the other podcasts like uh, uh anti-fanboy who i still believe is putting out episodes super podcasto who is Still putting out episodes like every couple of months. I was just on one. Uh, and who else? Who else were we? Like, uh, beat? Death of beat? Comics. Yeah, that was... Death of Comics, f- yeah, yeah, Fake yeah. feud with them. There, there were a few out there. But I don't know. That podcast was weird, but it also... Uh, you know, I have some social media friends from it. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. It was a fruitful time in my Jimmy life. Jimmy was involved in that podcast. Oh, I got to enter... Yeah, I he got, was. Yeah, vaguely. I got to uh, interview a Canadian rapper, Word Burglar, who I'm a big fan of on the podcast. That yeah, really we cool. yeah. we actually did have that. We maybe we could. Uh, I'll send that over to you because I have all the files. If Nobody else can hear it. Just <laughs> us. 
If you do have it though, I would really like to hear that. I know Dan would too. So that one in particular, I'd like to hear all the ones where we were beefing, like where we did like, we had these weird like little pseudo rap battles with these guys. I remember Dan being really funny on one. Like he kept referring to himself as different names. Yeah, no, there's there's some good stuff that I have to dig through, but mm -hmm. a lot of it I don't want to read here. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you're gonna, you guys gonna do what we have to do a talk me into IC3. Oh. You have to get somebody who does like a nope. a good podcast on and then just play him clips and be like, what do you It's say? just one long cringe, like an hour long cringe. I'm so Ian, Ian, let's let's get professional here, right? We're not friends. We're just we're just two professionals in in the entertainment industry. I don't even know who you uh, are, man. Yeah. So what what uh what else are you working on? Dan mentioned that uh, you put out Tomb of the White Horse. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? What are you working on now? What else you have coming out? So Tomb of the White Horse came out last year um, after a really good Kickstarter, um, and I think uh, where we're at right now is, um, it's a four issue series. Um, I have the scripts for the second part, uh, Tomb of the Red Horse, um, already written and at an editor. Ooh. And uh, yep, already written and at an editor. I have the uh, third issue already written and at an editor as well. I'm waiting to get notes on that. So um, I'm trying to be as productive as I can during this weird little uh, downtime that we've all got. It's definitely a good time to do it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, again, like not, I mean, and I think it's important to say, like, if you're not productive during this time, like, that's fine. Like it's, you know, however you need to deal with it day to day, because like, obviously there's some really scary stuff going on, but, um, it took me like two weeks to kind of like kick myself into gear. But once I got rolling now, I'm, I'm on a, a pretty good clip. So, um, so yeah, I would expect hopefully, especially with the way like retail markets are going, I will be kickstarting Red Horse. We'll be kickstarting the next two issues. Um, I expect to do well with those just cause like people aren't going to comic book shops right now. So I right. think the, the yeah. direct to consumer market's probably like a, a really going to be really good as, as soon as things kind of steady out a little bit. Um, and then I'm, I'm actually started a, a new project that nothing's confirmed yet, but I'm working with a, 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 another artist um, on a, a project that we're titling right now called Legacy, which is cool. And it's basically like uh, mutants versus giants in the ruins of Seattle. Hmm. Okay. I've right. always wanted to see Seattle ruined. Yeah, it's, it's really it's easy to do. No. Um, I want to. I'm not right. It's not a post-apocalyptic thing because I hate like that's getting very threadbare. So because that's just real life now. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're actually in the post-apocalypse. So I'm working with a post-post-apocalyptic world where like everything's all of our fiction is going to be pre-apocalyptic now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so that's what I'm up to. Yeah. So look for uh, the Team of the Red House Kickstarter hopefully sometime this year, and um. Yeah, I think that's really all I got going on right now. Do you have any websites or anything? Oh, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, com <laughs> is where you can find all that. So thanks, Jimmy, for being better at this than I am. I got you, fam. I'm always curious about, like, I have a two-part question for you, Ian. Number one is, how did you get into the whole comic book writing thing to the point, like, everyone has fantasies of, like, oh, I have an idea for a story I could tell, but what was it like actually sitting down and, like, really making it happen? and learning about like the craft of how you make a comic book. And then the second part is you're in the thick of it now with um, crowdsourcing and, you know, self-publishing and things like that. What is your dream scenario of where this could end up? Um, well, I'd like to answer your second part first, cause it's hmm. funnier. Um, swimming, <laughs> swimming uh, in piles of hundred dollar bills on my bed. That's what I figured. Um, oh yeah. And like when I'm done, like not having to like, pack it neatly back up and take it back to the but would you like to be like a um, big 
press guy? Like, could you see yourself writing for a Marvel or DC? Or are you looking at more creator-owned imprint stuff? It's it's weird because I'm such a big fan of um, of of Marvel, um, and um, I but it's weird because I don't really have a lot of fantasies about that. When people are like, you know, name the number one Marvel character you'd most like to write, and I'm like, I, nobody comes to mind. And also, and, and maybe there's a little bit of trepidation in that too because. Um, it's a, it's such a big undertaking. Like if you say like, I want to write Dr. Strange, well, you're going up against, you know, 50, 60 years of really good Dr. Strange writing and great ideas. Right. And, and, um, and I don't know if I'm, I don't know if it's just that I'm, I'm not, I don't have that desire or I'm not there yet in terms of skill mm. level or, or confidence level. Um, but no, I, I, I like indie comics. I think the deal would be, you know, to be able to do it full time. Um, I, that's obviously, I think, really difficult for a lot of writers. I mean, you have to be super productive to do that. And also it relies a lot on the market. Like a lot of guys that were selling two, three titles a month now aren't probably really selling any. And that revenue. Or I've, I've heard I, I'm not super into comics at the moment, but I still follow a lot of people on social media. And I've read that some creators have been told by the the, the imprints that they work for to stop creating. Like, just yeah. just they're go everything's on pause now you know comics aren't being sold for a month at least so they're kind of just pausing and then picking back up but like that affects people whose whose jobs are to produce content regularly yeah well that's the other thing too is is like telling people to stop creating is about well that's what and that's the whole thing where crowdsourcing comes in um i know a couple of people that are running kickstarters like right now in the thick of it like ones that are finished up this week and last week some successful some not successful but i mean i think the the it, the desire still remains even if you're just selling right. digital stuff so i mean i think the idea to tell <clears throat> people not to create is like i mean there i think what labels are saying is stop creating because we want to make money off of your exactly well. yeah, yeah and it's like why mm. do that like you know um I, I you know there's a whole big hubbub about i guess todd mcfarlane's releasing uh i don't know what what f- anniversary Ooh, jimmy i'm so sorry i like i oh it's fine great reaction I'm used to it. yeah if you um, swear you just have to apologize to jim and then it's okay yeah just say sorry jim yeah uh so um so he he wrote, launched a kickstarter for like he's redoing the original spawn action figure or some something silly like that and right. like mm. but he made like a half a million dollars in a couple days or something so it's like anyone can use this crowdsource and it's not like and I think pe- people were complaining that like, hey, you're sucking all the oxygen out of the room or something. But I don't believe that. Like, like I don't think so. Yeah, go and go and put something on crowdfunding. It's like your direct relationship. My whole thing with with Tomb was I didn't want to go around to a bunch of labels and have them tell me that I couldn't make a thing that I knew I could make. I just had to figure mm. out a way to get there. And it's like I'm I don't want to ask anyone permission to make this book. I want to make the book, and I obviously want to have oversight. I want to make sure it's good. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't need someone to go, all right, well, this is when it's coming out and this is what you need to do to help it sell. And it's like, I'll just, I'll do it myself. Mm. Um, and the idea was to maybe make a little on the side. It didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as, it wasn't lucrative. Let's put it that way. But I mean, you're, you're also trying to build something, you know, I think like the metric is like, you need to have like an estimated thousand fans before you can, uh, you know, make it your primary source of income or something. So I'm like, 995 hmm. away i'm pretty sure you know like I'm, I'm starting um you got three right here right yeah you and then my my and then my mom and my wife liam is my son not so much isn't he's like it's yeah, fine yeah he likes Matt fraction 
There you go. <laughs> All right. I think uh, one last question before we get into the the bulk of this episode. And it came up before you got on the episode. Jimmy said that he prefers Pats over Geno's. And, and you're you're a Pennsylvania guy. You're a Philly guy. So what what is your favorite and least favorite place Dan, to go for a cheesesteak? Dan, you ignorant <laughs> slut. Jimmy said it, not me. It was Jimmy, but but Dan oh, is Dan is me. also an ignorant slut. Yes, so, you're yeah. correct. Um, I honestly don't hmm. care. Um, I I <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> there's there's this is one of two debates that I really hate, and I really hate it when I'm so up. glad I brought it up. I'm yeah. so glad. I do no, I don't like it because I honestly don't care. I've been to both; they're both fine. There's places I prefer over those places. Yeah, no, tell like, us those places. Yeah. Like we want to know. Um, uh, for him this is this well, is I, like asking ian which brand of dryer sheet you prefer it really yeah it really is like, it's <laughs> just I indifferent feel, towards it I it's don't clearly snuggles value um i'm actually blanking on the name there's this there's this pizzeria place right by the the uh sports complexes that like if if i go into philly for any oh celebrities celebrities has great everything like their pizza is amazing their steaks mm. are amazing they're not really a steak shop like pat and gino's but they're great um but yeah, I don't know. I think I'd, if I had to guess, I like decide I'd say Geno's because I, I think I just like. Oh, yeah, so, but, but I, I mean, that's just like a fifty-one forty-nine split. I don't You're know also what. a big fan of the uh, okay. cheesesteak from Domino's, right, Ian? Oh, oh my God! Yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing I love more than than <laughs> than uh, that 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 crust they have on their pizza like turns to like particle fiber. Yeah. It's like so great. It's, oh my God! It's horrifying. It's absolutely. Sorry, Jim. Delicious. When we come back, Ian's going to talk us into Letterkenny, maybe. <laughs> the end. We'll get there. I mean, listen, I mean, I'm willing to talk about food that I don't <laughs> care about more. Welcome back to Talk Me Into. I am your guest host, Ian Mondrick. And with me are, you know, everybody else. The other I ones. The other the Jeff one. There's the a Jimmy there's one, a the Jeff, one. there's a Dan, and there's like a a a Jim Jimothy? Yeah, you got it. Jim Friend. Jimson. Jimson. <laughs> oh. <interesting>. Jim Friend. <laughs> All right, Ian. So we are gathered here today for you to try to talk us into uh a Canadian comedy program, Letterkenny. Why don't you tell us how you got into it first? Let's let's start that way. Yeah, let's do that. How did you get into Letterkenny? So Letterkenny was one of those uh, things, one of those properties where it was a constant, it was a slow drip over time that eroded me, right? Like, oh, I yeah. think I four people had recommended the show. Like, have you seen it? You really need to watch it. It's, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Um, and just one of those things that honestly I could probably have gone forever and never, um, you know, and, and never actually sat down and paid attention. Like, right. uh, um, the shield is a perfect example. Everyone tells me how great, <laughs> no, 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 I'm sorry. Not the shield. I'm sorry. What the, f the, uh, the wire, the wire. Like everyone's like, the wire is uh, the yeah. best TV show ever made. I'm like, I bet it is. But like, man, <laughs> you're asking a lot. It's like 20 years old yeah. and like, it's like a lot of seasons. So, um, I probably never would have embarked on the journey. <laughs> Um, and then like the fifth person to ask me if I'd seen it, uh, was a, a friend from work. And when I said, no, I'm like, you're the fifth person to ask me that he goes, sit down and then put his phone in front of me and play the opening sketch from the opening episode. 
And you just did it. You just sat down. You were like, I'm like yes, but, I'm sorry. Well, I'm like, I don't like, yeah, there's just, and I'm like, we weren't doing anything and I had no reason not to, to say no, but being put in front of it, like immediately within the first minute of that opening, that cold open, whatever you want to call it. Like, I was like, oh, this is great. Like there's, this has the groundwork for everything that I could love about a really niche comedy uh-huh. show. Um, and I think also being niche is part of it. I think that there's something when it's oddly specific the way Letterkenny is, um, that it really just kind of grabbed me. And then also the fact that they're obviously really easy bite-sized episodes and um, they're not they're not, not a sitcom, you know what I mean? But there is a little bit of, of, of story and plot progression that I guess we'll get into. Um, and I was able to chew through six seasons, you know, just, just mm. like that. And I think that was kind of like the, the amount that was open to me, how easy it was to watch and... I think the the specific reasons why I like it, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, well, why don't you talk about the specific reasons why you like it, and then we'll we'll move on from there. But like, just an overview, like what's it about? What about it do you like? Um, and why do you think we'll and, like it? So, so Letterkenny is is a is a show about Canadian hicks, um, skids, which I guess like we'd call like druggies or hillbillies huh or hillbillies well like hicks hicks we would call hillbillies or whatever i think we i think call them hicks too but like what would they call the skids like what would they call the like like stewart and those guys like the like druggies i don't know we we haven't seen it yet oh that's right (laughs) so anyway um sorry jim sorry jim uh so it, it it but it, it 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 embodies a couple of things that I think are, are very unique, um, especially the kind of the kind of rhythmic linguistic nature to uh, a lot of the, the the comedy bits they do and a lot of the way they write their dialogue and stage their scenes. Um, there's notes of repetition um, and there's notes of like o- almost kind of like open improvisation where they'll they'll do little word games and repeat the same phrase over and over again. Um, one of the things I like about it is all of the characters are basically stereotypes. But all of those stereotypes <laughs> kind of, but all of those stereotypes are only superficial, right? Like um, they, they play against type all the time. Like you'd expect a, you'd expect a hick like farm guy to behave a certain way um, when, mm-hmm. when confronted with certain social issues and they almost always play against type. Um, and I, and I really like that um, where a show that could be rife with like, let's say homophobia or misogyny, like it, it's not actively against that but it does play against those stereotypes strongly enough to make me think that like they're not trying to really be socially conscious about the show but they are trying to like make it aware that like hey like this isn't a show about you know like these aren't uh a show about guys insulting each other sexually or whatever for the whole thing so it's um it's pretty great and uh all right what i have not seen any of it uh but similar to what ian went through i've had like three or four people in my life tell me to check it out so when Ian mentioned this as a possible topic that he could talk us into, I immediately was like, yes, that, because I need an excuse to check it out. What about... And Jimmy, what's what's your exposure to the show? Uh, I think a buddy of mine said that he watched it and he liked it, and I think he might have recommended it to me as well. Um, I remember him saying that it was like a Canadian show, and I was like, oh, I really like Trailer Park Boys. Um, so I was like, I'll probably give this a, a shot. 
Yeah, it's so funny because because I'm the same way. And I think this was all relatively recently, like in popularity, it, it got bigger because I started seeing people talk about it. And this guy that I work with was like, oh, have you seen Letterkenny? I'm like, no, but I've heard about it. And he texted me a clip. It was like two minutes long and it was vulgar and pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and I think I Hulu says I watched the first season, but I must have fallen asleep because I don't remember any of it. Um, I watched maybe half an episode and stopped for an unknown reason, not because I didn't like it, but I don't really know much about it, um, except for that I am interested in seeing what all the hubbub's about. I think one of the other things that you'll see is that it's incredibly low budget. Um, and yeah. and to, to a point where you're almost proud of of them for what you know what i mean it's a show that doesn't really rely on a lot of sets um or a lot of uh you know a lot of anything other than just people having conversation um and i honestly they don't they don't do a lot of sight gags you know they they do toilet humor but i you know i, I don't think all of the humor is immature although i mean some of it certainly is and i think there's also kind of um I'm going to avoid using the word mystical here, but there's like this very, <laughs> there's this very strange, Too like late. they talk about, they talk about like hockey and all this Canadian shit so much. And I'm just like, what, what does that mean? And like, <laughs> I, I know, I, I, I don't know this to be true, but I have this feeling that like Canadian hockey players do cameos in the show and I have no and idea who they no are. Idea. So like, it's just, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, if I was watching, like, I don't know, like an episode well, of, well, dude, Bur that's like, that's like the league, right? I love the comedians. Oh, oh yeah, so yeah, I yeah, watched yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but I don't, I know all about football. Right. Sorry, Jim. Um, I'm watching. But, so like, I know that these guys are football players because they're large and they're referenced as famous football players, but I don't know who they are. I'm watching Westworld right now. And um, there's this, there's this one character. And I don't know if you guys are watching Westworld, but he has this shirt that has all these different emotions on it and like whatever emotion is he's feeling, that's what's lit up. And then I see in the credits and he's just a, a really big burly black dude. And it says in the credits, Marshawn Lynch. And I'm like, isn't he a football player? And I'm like, oh yeah, I had no, huh. I had no idea. Yeah. No idea. It would be <laughs> that like, I had no clue for. It would be like if um, like, you know, uh, Grant Morrison did like a cameo on Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something. I'd be like, oh my God, look, it's going to be like, who's that? Or like when Kelly Sue DeConnick oh, walked by in Captain Marvel yeah. and like three people were like, oh. yeah, yeah. Like me and my and wife. like, what happened? Yeah. Me and my wife and two other people were like, yo, in the theater. And then everyone was just like, what's, what was that? Oh, That's so Ian, funny. you picked out five episodes for us to watch. And uh, we usually don't give spoilers in this section, but do you want to just sort of just say why you picked those, why you think they're emblematic of the show? I had simultaneously had a really fun time and a really stressful time trying to pick <laughs> out just five episodes that I felt gave an overview of the season. And I think now you know what it's like for us. <laughs> That's what we deal with every single week. Right. And, and I think further compounding the fact is like, like if, this would be equally difficult to do with a show like, let's say, Archer, right? Because Archer, I remember watching, I don't know if it was season two or season three, and I'm not, I haven't seen every episode, but um, uh, there was a part when I was watching one of the season premieres and my wife was sitting next to me and I'm cracking up and she's looking at the screen stone face. I'm like, you don't find it funny? She's like, I don't get a single joke. <laughs> she's like, I don't know what they're talking about. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, because by this point, everything's just a reference to something else. 
You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, so thanks to family. Guy. Yeah. So there's like probably some stuff in these episodes where you'll be like, I don't understand why this is funny. And it'll be a reference to something that they've done. So I was trying to avoid stuff like that. But I was also trying to avoid episodes that were strictly like bottle episodes where they kind of just exist in a vacuum. Um, so I obviously picked the series premiere uh, season one, episode one. Um, I was for a minute. I was really going to do the second episode as well because I felt it was like a good base for like, you know, to get you familiarized with the characters and how things worked on the show. Um, but at the end of the day, I had like, I think 10 episodes that I wanted to use. And I'm like, there's no way you guys are going to sit through all of this bullshit. Uh, sorry, Jimmy. Um, so <laughs> no, you can I, say bullshit. That, you just can't say shit. Fine. Con- what? <laughs> things oh, like thanks. that. Thanks, sorry, Jeff. Jim. Sorry, Jim. Sorry, oh, okay, Jim. So like, all right. So like mother straight out. <laughs> right. Sorry. Jim. Out I can't say mother. Sorry, Jim. All right. <laughs> sorry, Jim. Uh, so I picked it. <laughs> I picked episodes from season two. Uh, I picked episodes from season two, season four, season five, um, and season seven. I really like, I think it gets consistently better as they go on, but I wanted to avoid picking a lot of episodes from the end of the, the series. Um, just because I think they're becoming more personal favorites. Well, well, some sometimes we do that. Um, we do it mostly with music kind of to show how like an artist or something progresses, improves in uh, quality, maybe changes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. We've done that with TV shows, too, with um, with Lost, with our other guest, Dave. Um, he picked episodes from throughout the series. And with a show like Lost, I didn't think it was possible, but I think he did a good job at doing that. So with a with a show like Letterkenny, where you say that there's not too much plot it's mostly joke based yeah i think it could work well i hope so yeah i i i I was confident that i can talk you all into letter kenny i'm not confident that i was going to make the right decisions when i brought it to (laughs) so that's that so like the 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 responsibility i feel lies in my on my shoulders not on the shoulders of Jared Kiso and the other creators of Letterkenny. So when we come back, we're going to dig into season one, episode one, season two, episode three, season four, episode two, season five, episode seven, and season seven, episode three of Letterkenny, which is streaming on Hulu, and we will be spoiling them. Spoiler warning. Yep, and all of that information is in the show notes in case you didn't listen to Dan. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fellas. There it is. We are back. <laughs> you heard it live here, Ian. This is your first live okay, fellas. Was it everything you hoped it would be, Ian? I know. I wish I was recording. Oh. I mean, like, I mean, like a video of my reaction. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got it. Don't worry. Oh, this is, you're recording our screens? Or? Yeah, I am. Just for funsies. Yeah, definitely. That's fun. Keep it. I'm so. Glad I, I'm glad I wore foundation. You can see me turn red when I talk about my 20-year-old emo song. Red already red. Yes. Touche. Amore. We are back after watching five episodes of Letterkenny, thanks to Ian's recommendation, and we are going to be spoiling them. Spoiling the heckin' heck out of them. Yeah. And right off the bat, before we get into episode plots or breakdowns, I want to say that it's... I find it interesting that Ian picked this series as one option of things to talk us into because... As the most prominent writer that I know, I'm impressed that you picked a series that is so writerly. That's not a word, but 
<laughs> it's so verbose and it's so like playful with the English language that I'm like, oh, a writer enjoys this. This makes sense. Yeah, and, and I mean, maybe that is just me kind of showing my bias, but yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, where it doesn't it doesn't rely. I mean, I also feel that way about Westworld, but they're kind of like completely polar opposites, right? Like, right, uh, where this is is more focused on like making a scene funny, and I think and using a mixture of like improv and and uh, and written stuff, whereas as Westworld is obviously like so intricately crafted and constructed. Right. Um, that it's almost hard to like parse sometimes. Well, in uh, that Westworld seems to be impressive as in terms of plotting and uh, usage of uh, like metaphor and visual cue and stuff like that. Whereas sub- subtext. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this show to me is all about just like getting playful with dialogue. Right. And uh, yeah. you, guys, you guys totally just talking me to Westworld, by the way. <laughs> Great. This is a twofer. Um I, I do agree with you. It's kind of like it's like the hip hop of Canadian sitcoms, right? It's like it's it's every word seems even though it seems improvisational, it also seems crafted. There's a lot of clever uh wordplay throughout the series. So yeah, I agree with both of you. Yeah, and I think that 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 was one of the things I really wanted to to touch on when you said it was when you said it was like hip hop. It is very rhythmic in a way right like it's almost, it is yeah it's it's not like they're singing and it's not song based at all but the dialogue has this kind of back and forth this almost uh ping pong yes yes very good yeah like where um everyone's kind of batting this thing back and forth it, and it almost seems like a lot of it is just like them recording the writer's room sessions like trying to figure out a mm. line that would be funny in this instance and they keep saying different things and then yeah there's a lot itself. of uh one-upsmanship right and but then that itself becomes what goes into the show Right. And then going back to what you said in the earlier segment um, about like you didn't know what we would call skids or like you don't know what that word means. There's a lot of Canadian slang in here that I haven't heard or I don't I misunderstood because a lot of the accents are pretty extreme. um, And I don't know if that's like a joke, like if someone does a southern accent in America and it's just outlandish and caricature like like that, that's funny to me. And that's and that's and that's also what I like too is because it's this it's this unknown quantity right like and yeah and I, I, I'll say this down and this will become apparent later on but Riley and Jonesy might be my two favorite characters in the show overall just because of like they they love and care for each other so much and it's this very romantic like bro relationship it, that, that does have. become apparent in one of the later episodes we talk where about. yeah they, they are all the time speaking their own language to each other you know what yeah I mean? them, them most i was like is this like bro talk is this canadian i don't That's, know like is it a gym culture that i'm not aware of so so many words i literally went on a quest i was like i gotta figure out what a lot of this stuff means and i actually looked up definitions like i think there's it's in pages on urban dictionary or there's some like fandom site or something where like they have like a glossary or whatever, but Oh my God, like that stuff drives me nuts. Well, and, there's there's and, one scene later on when both of them are doing that. And then like this girl who's not part of like their crew or whatever comes over and she just jumps in and is like on their <laughs> yeah. level. And I was like, Oh, this is just like, this is the world they live. in. And then there's it's two what, other bros that do the same thing. And there's five of them going back and forth about cheeses and then two more. So at one point there's seven people just like bouncing off of each other yeah and it's also it's phenomenal editing too because i think that's yeah, really good in, in comedy like when you're when you're televising comedy um and i think a show that does that really well is um 
I think you should leave now. Um, yeah, I've seen that on Netflix. Now, but but the editing on I think you should leave now is hilarious to me the way they cut it. That's a great um, show. It's it's really good. But um, but on this as well. Yes, yeah, so you're right. There's like seven people. It's when they're talking about uh, they're, uh, the they're different talking cheeses. about cheese. Yeah, ripping some fresh baby bell. Um, yeah, it's just like the stupidest stuff. But for some reason. I find myself locked into that rhythm and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm, I'm nodding my head. I'm smiling. I'm like, I don't even really know. I like, I, I loosely get what the euphemism is. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I know if someone was like, what does that mean? I'd be like, eh. I think it means scoring goals. I think it means scoring goals in hockey. Yeah. But, um, but that's, that's part of why I like it so much. I think. So you guys want to get into sort of the meat of the first episode that we watched? Yeah, sure. sure. We find out that uh, one of the main characters, Wayne, who has tiny little shoulders and a triangular build, um, he was he was dumped by his his girlfriend. I think her name was Angie. Um, so that's where we start out. And he's kind of kind of depressed, but you can't really tell because he's always stoic. Even when he's happy, his face never changes when he's sad. He's just has a straight face at all times. Well, the content of the words he's saying changes, but his face does not. But there is, there is, well, yeah, exactly. There is one episode where he gets, that I put in here, where he gets quite irate, which I put in there because to me, it's absolutely so funny to see something like that set him off. Um, but yeah, and he ends up, I guess in the beginning, uh, the, the, the sketch in the, the very opening of the, the first episode, which I'm assuming is probably one of the most popular bits of any of their episodes, because it's definitely the clip that I saw first. And uh, Jeff, I'm not sure if this is the clip that you saw. Um, but he uh, he takes a little bit of ribbing from two hockey players, yeah, and then basically challenges them to a fight, um, which they don't get to participate in because they are both dating his daughter, sister, uh, uh, sister. I'm sorry, Jesus. Uh, they're both dating his sister, and she ends up calling them off um, and uh, telling them to leave um, b- before he would. I'm assuming quite obviously demolish them because um, he's again he's a he's a big dude who who uh, yeah you're right has tiny shoulders. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just is immense. It's so, like, you know what I mean? Just Yeah, it's like, strange. Yeah. Well, also uh, at this point in the episode, he's saying that he has given up fighting, too. Right. Right. So, they're yeah, they're trying to take a piece out of him. And uh, uh, they he and his friend uh, quickly uh, dismantle uh, their aggression by being acerbic and cutting and uh, and very funny. Um, so w- one of the first things in while watching this that. Uh, goes back to like Canadian slang and things that I didn't understand was when uh, the big friend, I can't think of his name right now. uh, He was telling a story about throwing eggs and being chased by cops. And it went on for a comically long amount of time. Like one of the funniest things I think are when shows or movies or anything go on longer than they should. Um, or they they use time as part of the joke because like it it's not really a funny story, but the way that he tells it is quite funny. Yeah, so right. we should say that the main character that we're talking about, the tough guy, is Wayne. Yeah, he's he, Wayne. His friend is Daryl, and I can't remember the other guy's name. Squirrely Dan. Squirrely Dan. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so so Wayne is Jared, played by actor Jared Kiso. He is the uh, creator of the show, as I understand it, and I think also probably like one of the writers and directors. Um, and uh, the the large fellow uh, Squirrely Dan, uh, whose name is K. Trevor Wilson or Trevor K. Wilson. Um, K. Trevor Wilson. Uh, he is a uh, Canadian stand-up comedian. Uh, as okay. Well, as well. Um, 
And uh, yeah, one of the first things about Squirrely Dan was uh, the way he unnecessarily pluralizes everything. Yeah, yeah. like uh, Bigfoot from the Stern Show. And it's infuriating um, <laughs> at first. And, but, but what happens is... But it gets I, really is, funny, though. It, it does get really funny. And I'll, and I'll drop a little bit of a spoiler for an episode you guys haven't seen. There's a part later on in the series where uh, Wayne and Derry start unnecessarily pluralizing the word sushi. Right? <laughs> they start calling it sushis and sashimis and and dan takes severe umbrage to this and is like why are you calling it that like he gets really upset like why are you unnecessarily pluralizing the word and they just keep going and he's like he's like i think i'm gonna have a seizure and like in that moment i'm like oh i absolutely love this like you know what i mean it's like you you set this joke up over three seasons and it's just like this is a great like hey wouldn't it be great if we acknowledge the fact that that drives everyone insane and it's like yes yes mm-hmm. it would be very funny if you paid that off so um so everyone is sort of trying to get wayne to bounce back from his recent breakup and the, they decide that one of the best ways is to get him like a rebound chick so they go about this. Derry's method is to bring him to like a Christian dance at some like weird evangelical church in youth town. Youth group, I think. Yeah. 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 And uh, I have to admit, as someone who has tended some Christian youth <laughs> groups, this is painfully realistic. Oh, it's it, so cringefully it real. Is so it, awkward. It hits so hard home because I, too, in my youth attended th- things like that. And oh, boy, is it is it weird. I, I, let me tell you something. I spend most of my time now sitting in this dark little room, thinking up ways to write scary stuff. And I haven't come close to how horrifying that stuff is. <laughs> the, the, like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, because again, and I, and I guess you're right. I've never been to one of those, but you guys saying it's painfully real is like, yeah, it feels painfully real. And it's like, I want to jump out of my skin. The part where the the young the young lady who's like kind of like I guess running the youth group or whatever, <laughs> she puts her finger in Wayne's mouth. Like I almost jumped out of my skin. I was like, oh no! Like oh, dude. The and most just the like most that. real That's... line in this whole entire episode in the first line that I laughed out loud to was when Wayne just said, "What the actual." F- is this place (laughs) but it was it was so funny and is so true and just yeah um, there is it's like because because letter kenny you said it's kind of like this alternate universe that you're not exposed to that everything's a little off and then when you see a youth group that's even more a little off it it is like an alternate world like they have their own version of normal things and it's like this pastor is so over the top and so like a caricature it's, but he's ripping um, ditch but i have met so many i have met so many effeminate pastors of youth groups who <laughs> brag about how they're not having sex and it's like bro <laughs> come on bro he's my favorite character in the show <laughs> from like everything that's happened especially in the uh, relationship oh episode. my the relationship I think episode he's so he's good. Yeah. He but yeah I, I like the one part I was rewatching it last night in the part of the relationship episodes where there he's working at the ice cream parlor and he like he prances away with his arms like I fell out of my chair. I was like, what are you doing? So we we like, don't we don't have to go in like a strict like here's what happened, here's what happened. We could talk loosely yeah. about things. I do um, want to mention you know, we don't have to go in a one thing order. that you touched on, Jeff. 
I didn't write a ton of notes for these, but one thing I did wrote is Jeff will be a yes to letter Kenny the minute the pastor started ripping Didge. So when he, cause I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at my Didge right now. And I was like, this is hilarious. And then later <laughs> in the Christmas episode, don't. <laughs> in the Christmas episode, he comes back with a Didge and it's wrapped up and he tries to blow it, but he can't form a seal. So it's just like, <laughs> and he's trying to get Wayne to rip Didge with him. <laughs> It's really funny. It's really funny when he sits in his lap, too. So, I mean, this episode goes uh, on. Yeah. They're, they're not very successful of finding Wayne a date. Uh, but No, but it sets up a lot. Like, even even uh, retrospectively, after watching the rest of these episodes, like, it sets up, like, the whole, like, goth crew. Um, mm-hmm. This guy, like even like the dating, like we skip an entire season and Wayne is just now going on dates. Um, but yeah, it sets up a lot of stuff. Well, yeah. So I think it's a great example of how like a pilot should work. Right. Because I think that in in my mind, uh, that opening sketch to me was like the hook to get me through everything else. Like that bought a lot of credit for me with the show. Like um, I don't think the third episode of the first season is particularly funny. Um so like I, I I waited through not not bad stuff by any means but like stuff where I was just like all right, right. all right uh, because again there, there was so much of a spark there but um, I think as you said they do such a great job of setting up all of the characters giving you kind of a, an overview of like what you're actually going to be getting because it is it's, it's almost like this sci-fi world where like people speak from the heart and mean what they say <laughs> and like help each other out and put aside personal biases and you know aren't aggressive jerks. Um, and um, I think it starts to play a little bit against the stereotypes, but I think you're right. I think more so than getting Wayne and Dan, I think the episode is about him getting his right. mojo back, right? Is the fact that yeah. he's been in some yep. sort of funk and it turns out that maybe he doesn't need uh, a date or maybe he doesn't need a, a woman. Maybe he just needs closure on whatever happened and seeing her, his, the, the guy that his ex-girlfriend like left him for or whatever, being, being unnecessarily cruel to somebody gives him a perfect example, a perfect opportunity to beat the yeah. shit out of the guy. Uh, that was a good scene too. And it's funny cause you mentioned like the show is low budget. They use a lot of the same sets. There's not a lot of things other than talking, but like Jimmy, uh, you're, you're a video guy and you're in TV. So maybe you have more mm-hmm. to say about this, but like it's shot and edited and looks really good. Um, especially like that. I'm thinking particularly of the punch that he throws, like with the use of slow motion, yeah. mixing it up and like the editing they use. It's, it's a really nice looking show and it's like smooth. Like it looks like they do something special with a camera to make it look almost cinematic for such a low budget. Yeah. They use a pretty decent camera from what I've noticed, like even, um, and they, they definitely have a talented crew behind them because, uh, whenever they're sitting at that farm stand, the camera is never still, which I find very interesting. Right. The camera is That's always moving to. to the right. Like, uh, like whenever there's even just like a, a just a shot of uh, like a one shot of somebody. The camera is always moving so that the background is always moving, which I I think it's it's definitely more like visually appealing. Um, but I, uh, I think it's pretty well done. I think also the audio is a huge part too. I think that there are right. a couple of scenes in a couple of episodes where I think they shot them as pickups or something, and the audio isn't as good. Uh, and as soon as you hear that, it's so noticeable, and it makes it seem like so much lower budget. I think. Maybe even parts of the Christmas episode seem like that, uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Where there's a couple of lines in the Christmas episode where I'm like, oh, like this was filmed with a different audio pack or something because, mm-hmm. or it was filmed later. Um, and I think they do a lot of filming all at once. Um, and, yeah, and then, it seems like that. Yeah, and then and then stretch it out over like multiple shows and seasons. 
Um, I think a lot of the the low budget feel comes a lot from the acting as well. Um, because when I was first introduced to this, as soon as I started watching that, I was, I was like, oh, are these really bad actors? Because like just the way that they're just like, I don't know their way of speaking and no, they're uh, like obviously the jokes. They're really good because that's like everything is so perfectly timed and like right. you need that. You, even every stupid word they say, like nobody's talking over each other. Uh, even though some of it seems improvisational, like with Curb Your Enthusiasm, there's a lot of people talking over each other, and that's part of the charm and uh, right. why that show is funny. But not here. Yeah. So I was. Uh, so uh, I haven't really said any of my opinions yet. Um, so as soon as I was introduced to this, I was like, oh no, I don't think I'm going to like this. Wow. Uh, because oh. it is very, it's very specific. And, um, I, I don't know. They would just like, it threw me into this world, which usually is a, a pretty good thing, but like it's hitting you with a lot of these things that you don't know. And it, it's like this brand new world that like you were talking about, Ian. And uh, it's sort of like I have to sort of figure out all these characters and I have to figure out like what they're talking about, what's happening. And uh, I was just a little nervous. I was going I was a little nervous in there. A couple of chuckles here and there that were at some of the potty humor, like they were at standing at the urinal and one of the dudes (laughs) took his pants all the way down. I thought that was pretty funny. That was one of my Uh, favorite scenes because it was so awkward and. And like it's so real, <laughs> like yeah. I, I'm I'm the Wayne. Like I look away when I'm at a urinal. I don't want to talk. Like people at work <laughs> talk all the time to each other, and I'm like, yeah. we could we could have this conversation in the hallway. We could yeah. have it over a wanna, phone call. Yeah. Like especially business. Like I don't I don't know anything without a computer <laughs> in front of me. You I don't know what you're talking about. I mm-hmm. yeah, and I think it's also what I I like about that scene specifically is how they don't step on the punchline really where it's like you, they don't have to illustrate that. You know what I mean? Well, like they, yeah. they don't oversell the fact where he's just like, it, it takes us all the way to, and from, to get him to go. It's inappropriate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like he's trying to give him every opportunity to just shut, to shut up and not continually try to get him to look at his Bieber eyes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, there's also another good line from squirrely Dan too, that he said that I had to, uh, I think I had to deliver a pound of fudge or something. I was like, LOL. <laughs> that was pretty good, too. That's uh, good. So, at, at least in this first episode, I was like, oh, I, I at least like the potty humor because there's a, lo- a couple of things. And, like, one really good line, too, I think it was from Wayne. He just says to somebody, I wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. Sorry, Jim. And, uh, sorry, Jim. And uh, it, there, there are definitely a couple of things that made me giggle. But uh, I was I was kind of nervous going into this because I was like, this is very specific. I don't know if it's for me. So, so Jim, I want to know what you think of the next episode we watched, which was season two, episode three, Relationships, because right. this introduces something that we see a couple other times in the series, which is something Ian talked about, the repetition. So more than right. just repeating lines, we're actually getting like whole chunks of like... Like motifs. Exactly. Like scenes are repeating. Yep. So uh, this episode, I think, is probably my favorite out of everything that we watched because okay. it is sort of like, uh, uh, I don't know, the word. it's kind of like an anthology. I think Ian described it as when he sent us the episodes. Um, it, basically, every uh, every date is like its own little uh, pack, like jam-packed thing. And they're also going with the uh, uh, Goldilocks and the, the uh, Three Bears sort of uh, analogy with uh this one's too hard this one's too soft this one's just right 
And I um, and I love the the overtly cringy nature of that lady and how yeah <laughs> and how it was I like how it was all staged to protect him from all of that where she goes it's called Goldilocks and the Three Dates and she looks at me and she goes <laughs> I forgot to tell her not to tell you that <laughs> like <laughs> that I love how that just sums up the relationship she's right like, she's like just like he's not gonna want to hear any of your dumb crap just like please just get him on dates well they did another uh, one of those things where they were doing the work play throwing each other back and forth and he's like they're gonna find your body in the goldie lakes yeah 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 that was <laughs> so when i was well, when i was going through these i was that was one of the things that i i wanted to put in in there the way they the way they, they keep doing that yeah i thought that this, so even before you get into like the plot of this episode the cold open or pre-title sequence or whatever you want to call it was it's... so long but so dense and had so much stuff in it like so the the three main guys are playing catch just talking about <laughs> snacks in america you're like oh they don't have all dressed chips they don't have ketchup chips but they do have 37 different flavors of captain crunch or whatever and it was real funny and it kept going on and on and then squirrely dad is talking about uh this girl that wants having his prostate tickled yeah he wants some attentions paid to your buttholes (laughs) (laughs) and it's so it's It's, so funny how (laughs) like in that instant the whole thing turns on a dime and like he refuses to catch the ball and the the other two don't say anything and they just start throwing back and forth to each other but they their faces getting... don't change like they're stoic and then squirrely dad just I... keeps on like talking about it and they're getting really aggressive they're throwing it back and forth really fast it's like pop fly and he just throws it up in the air like oh my god yeah and then they just start leaving him out of the catch yeah yep oh yeah, really, so really... good um, there is a conversation here between the two hockey bros. I forget their name, Riley and Sully jo- or something. Jonesy, yeah. Jonesy. Uh, about donking all day. I still have no idea what that means. <laughs> so, all right. So let me, if I can. So, and I don't, I don't claim to be an expert <laughs> on this. So donking, uh, I believe is a euphemism for acting like a donkey, which is just basically like being kind of like a jerk on the ice. Right. Oh, okay. Like, and I believe, mm. like, they say, like, snowing. I snowed my own goalie, like, nine times or whatever. I believe that's, a, like, when you pull up with your skates and, right. like, hit spray them. Spray ice. Like, yeah, spray ice at them and stuff. So, I think they're basically just talking, like, instead of actually practicing and doing the work, they're just being jerks and, like, taking, like, really hard slap shots. Do you ever see like, them play hockey in the show or do they just talk? Um, about in, the last, in the last two seasons, there's actually, there's a recurring character played by Jared Kiso who, like, you never see. And he's called Shorzy. I don't think he's in any of the episodes that I put for in for you guys. Uh, and he is like the epitome of like potty humor uh, in the show. Uh, he's always like in a in a stall taking a crap. He's talking about the players' moms and stuff like that. And it's very annoying. Oh, okay. But then in, in the last couple of seasons, he's actually playing hockey, and they're basically just donking to the other team, and, the, and they're mic'd up. And it's <laughs> what some of the funniest stuff in the show is them just is just talking shit to these people. Um, but. Um, but yeah, so I believe that that's what they're talking about in that instance. And uh, yeah, again, it's one of those things where like only through actually like looking up some of the words and trying to put pieces together, does it actually make sense? But mm-hmm. again, I feel like there's there's humor even in just the, the thickness of the dialect. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I'm it's it's almost like I'm trying to complete. Well, it's, it's very much like when I was first introduced to the Wu-Tang Clan in like the mid 90s. Uh, and it was like they were saying all of these words. They they were coming up with all of this slang because they would get bleeped out if they said these words on the radio. Like if they said the word p- 
sorry, Jim, on the radio, uh, <laughs> they 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 would get bleeped for that. So they they changed it to that their slang was power you. And it was like they could say that in a song and no one knew what that meant. So they could just say it. But if you knew what it meant, you knew what they were talking about. So it was almost like having this sort of like Rosetta Stone. Yeah, it's like skeeting. It's like that Dave Chappelle. Right, yeah, very skeeting. good. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, white people finally found out what skeeting means. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's very much like that. So I think it's also like when you can start piecing that stuff together, uh, that's it, it almost becomes like a little more rewarding. Then. So, Jim, you said that this was your favorite episode of the five. Why? Yeah. Uh, probably because I, I found this one the f- probably the funniest, and it also um, uh, exemplified the character that I was talking about, the, the priest. Uh, <laughs> yes, Glenn. Um, he was in this episode a lot, and I thought he was hilarious. Uh, just every time, just like uh, uh, showing up, and it's like, oh, how many places is he going to show up? And he shows up at all of them. Yeah, when he and, when he's working um, at the the first restaurant, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. It's kind of like feels like a shoehorned in, but then he shows up yeah. dressed like a classic <laughs> ice cream man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I see what they're doing here. Right. Yeah. Then he shows up uh, the third time, and he's like, oh, you thought I work here? No, they just have the best French fries. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this episode uh, also features, like we were talking about earlier, the repetitiveness, uh, which does play very well with comedy. And I think this episode does it better than some of the other episodes that we watch. Um, but uh, I really like this one because the repetitiveness is like he keeps on showing up at all the places. He's going on all these dates. He's asking the same questions. They're all ending the exact same way. He's um and yeah. he's like almost predicting it at, at that point. Like for the second one, he was like, "Oh yeah, you have a you have an emergency, right?" And she's like, "Yeah, I gotta go." It's also um, well, the way you end bits is important too, right? And I, exactly, I think you have, to, yeah. you have to be able to stick the landing. And when he meets the first lady, uh, the the first lady in the gastro pub resto lounge or whatever, and they have this like really really tight like con- almost confrontational, and she gets Intense. up to leave. Yeah, and he gets up to leave, and he just kind of like pulls his cell phone out, and they go through the whole process of him like making the phone there's no edit you know what i mean it's him picking <laughs> yeah. up the phone and hey, oh it's weird how are you now oh not so yeah good. exactly and then just yeah this one's too hard yeah <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the greatest it's such a good way to like put a period to the paragraph be like it's too hard oh, i love it it was really really good yeah it, it's definitely good and um i also really liked when he's talking with the uh uh the person who's setting them up him up with these dates uh, when she's asking him all these questions, he's like turning around 90 <laughs> degrees every time because he doesn't want to talk about himself. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was like such a good gag. It was probably my favorite gag in the entire show. Yeah. It's impolite like, to talk about yourself. Yeah. Well, it's, it's impolite. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, Jeff noted for a guy whose face never moves, he Wayne's character does so much with body language. You know what I mean? Like he just does an yeah, incredible sure. amount. But of it's like, not even slapsticky. It's just right. this really subtle things that you yeah. can't even really pick out unless you're watching it. So, uh, oh, go ahead, Jeff. Oh no, I was just going to say that. Like aside from like the Wayne going on dates things, there are two parts in this episode where I literally died, and one of them was. Stuart, who's one of like the the goth kids or skids or whatever skids. uh ian called them yeah uh, i don't really care about that group of characters that much it kind of seems like it's almost too much and too like cartoonish at some points but there he he keeps coming over to the house while they're playing catch and at one point Derry or daryl or whatever his name is throws the ball and hits him in the back of the head 
and he falls on the ground and cries and it's funny but he keeps crying and that goes back to the thing of like stretching it out using time as the joke yeah i was dying during that and the other uh, thing that went on way too long was when they were at the fruit stand and they were all imitating sex sounds over <laughs> each other all at once. And it was just it was like a circus of crazy people. And yeah. it was so funny. And like some of those things they were saying, like different words for sex, like the pituitary polka. I, I lost my shit. It was so. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that. That was a great part. I, I want to talk about the next episode, though, because... Well, I did want to say real quick about relationships. This is the point, I think, where I started noticing that, like... Uh, and there's more examples of this in between there, but how good their use of music is. Um, like, so the fight scene mm. in, the fir- in the first episode uh, where he's, um, he's, he's fighting the guy in the alley and the, the, the rap song they used to end the episode is, is really good and, like, I think kind of, like, hooks you in. And then there's a really good song at the end of the relationships episode, I think, that works really well. And a lot of times where mm-hmm. I don't notice stuff like that or I don't care about who the artist is. I'm watching uh, Lock and Key right now and I always leave the subtitles on and it notates every song yeah. and artist. Like, when it starts playing and I'm like, oh, I don't care who that is. Like I'll never look that band up ever. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't care about this music at all. And with uh, Letterkenny, I do find myself like, oh, like what song is that? Uh, mm. Or you know, like who's the artist there? Um, yeah, the whole dance off part at the end, I thought was really cool too. Because like I don't yeah. know what's going on. Because I'm assuming he was like exiled from the group. Um, so like when he's doing this dance off at the end, I thought it was like an actually like really powerful moment. I was like, oh, that was actually like really well done. Yeah, it was, they, like it was they crowned well him with the derby hat. Yeah, and like his eyes are rolling back into his head ecstatically. Like <laughs> yeah. it's really, yeah, you're right. Like there's this huge emotional moment that's that's uh, magnified by the the use of uh, music. For uh, sure. And, but then it's also really funny in a way too, um, which I think is it. And, and I will say this about Stuart, uh, Stuart and Rold and the kids. I think that over the seven or I guess eight seasons now, everybody has a chance to have like a character arc and like we're like i really really love riley jonesy like you don't see it early on these seasons but like those kids grow and learn so much so much (laughs) as the show progresses and stewart goes through a lot of like noticeable changes along the way too and whereas i didn't really i think the skids were probably my least favorite part in the beginning um now i I think stewart and rolled specifically uh they've really grown on me as well dan yes Season four, episode two, Fuss at the Golf Course. Yeah, this what was my favorite episode. This was <laughs> this was a good one. All those Canada gooses, yeah? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it hit close to home. As someone who went to high school in what is basically a Canadian goose toilet, <laughs> I yep. can appreciate why a lot of people don't like them. Yeah, all so right. my, my job is a Canadian goose toilet. So I, they're all over the place. And I just found out like a couple weeks ago that they hiss. I didn't know yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, three of them in one day hissed at me and my wife told me that means that they, they must have eggs nearby and i was like oh and then yesterday i saw the egg like i saw the nest and i was like this is where they've been hissing at me they're they're nasty little squonkers but i love them so uh, funny story a quick aside uh when i was in about sixth grade when you were in a boot sixth grade a yes. boot sixth grade uh, when you were in a boot grade six my best friend his mom was a veterinarian and they had a weird collection of pets and he got it into his head that he wanted to raise a pet canadian goose and his mom had the skills <laughs> and ability to help him do this so he asked me to go with him to steal a canadian goose egg so which is very fucked <laughs> up sorry jim but we were 12 years old and it seemed like a really great idea at the time 
So that sounds like an adventure. Yeah. So we went to this weird man-made dam where there was apparently like, this is where the Canadian goose that crap all over our town live. Cause there was like a thousand of them. And, uh, he had brought with him an empty, uh, crystal rock water jug. You know, those big ones you find <laughs> in an office. Yeah. And he asked, he said, you grab the egg from the nest and they're going to start coming after you. And I'm going to hit them in the face with this water jug. <laughs> I thought the jug was going to be for holding the egg. I didn't think it was going to be a weapon. Nope. And my first, my first question wow. was, what weapons? My first question was, what weapons are you bringing to defend yourself against the geese? And then when I heard water jug, I was like, they're not bringing weapons. No, what the? Okay. Yeah. So he had decided that he didn't want to kill the geese, and like a baseball bat would probably do a lot of damage. He just wanted to like bop them, like bonk. <laughs> So exactly as he described, we found a nest and there was a lot of geese around, but they were just being geese, waddling around, honking, eating grass. As soon as I touched an egg, it turned into the escape from Raiders of the Lost Ark, escaping the temple. They literally just turned on us and started running at us and chasing us. And I just started running away. I mean, I was like 11, 12 years old, so I wasn't I wasn't as fat at that time. I could still run pretty well. And behind me, Rob was running backwards and just wailing geese. Just one after another. Bonk, bonk, bonk. And these geese were ready to kill us. And we made it out of the woods. And he raised that goose. I mean, he moved away a few years later, but he moved with the goose. He named it's it the goose. With yeah, he. It was like raised wow. to adulthood. Its name was wow. Duck. <laughs> oh, uh. oh, that was good. Oh man, Jim, I hope you recorded that. Like, oh, it was the, recording. The video was very funny of that. So yeah, yeah that oh. this episode hit close to home, but I just had to tell you that story. I just, I just love how they take ownership of all Canada gooses. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, yeah. They treat them like they're these majestic regal creatures when really they're just like normal annoying birds. Uh, I think, um, yeah, and I think for me it's it's that moment at the beginning of the episode where um, where Wayne just blows his stack, right? Like, like um, yeah. the, the <laughs> McMurrays, the McMurrays show up. So and, we didn't even know the, those characters at this point because we've been skipping, but it didn't matter because it still kind of just made sense. Well, this is also the same guy who told Wayne about his girlfriend's new boyfriend at the urinal. Was that? Oh, he was at the urinal. Yeah. Okay, I was wondering yeah. if they were the same guy. So, uh, yeah, and uh, he doesn't really seem to care that much. And then he talks about oiling the eggs and how the base, and then he just blows his stack. And again, doesn't really change his uh, facial expression at all, uh, but just gets immediately, like, immediately irate. And I, I like, I, was, when I was rewatching the episodes, like, I just immediately started laughing. I was like, that's great. It's like, that's, that's the thing that, like, gets him all upset. And, um, I also think the coach is a really, really great character in the show. And I think he's a lot funny in the later, epi- uh, the later seasons. He gets used a little bit more. He was uh, in the Christmas I, episode and his scene was the funniest part about the Christmas oh, episode. Oh, so I, I really want to talk about that. We'll get there. I re- we'll get there. I, yeah, I, I rewatched that last night. And I was crying with laughter at that part. <laughs> um, but, um, but he's so awesome. Cause he's just so terrible. Like, and, uh, and he's, uh, and like, obviously the, it's embarrassing thing is, is a, uh, like a tagline of his and uh, the hockey coach, like kicking the trash can and stuff like that in the locker room mm-hmm. is an ongoing joke that he used. But, um, yeah, I, I like the whole thing. Um, I, yeah, I, I liked it because it was, it's, it's 
very like I like how they they get their way just by being terrible people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like right. just, the episode is basically brown. just it's like a series of vignettes of like the gang trying to annoy the coach and the golfers enough that they just give up on this oiling the eggs plan. And uh, this this is. The, I, this is the most It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I love like a gang. I love their taglines in this episode. Like the three oh, main dude, I was guys. I going to say that. Like yeah. Wayne is just constantly challenging them to fight. And he's like, you come between a Canadian goose, you have to come through me and let that marinate. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Squirrely Dan is like, must be nice. Must yeah, but my favorite, nice, my favorite <laughs> is Derry's time to leave this world behind. Right. It's so good. Just yeah, like everything is just he's given up on humanity just because of every little small <laughs> thing that gets in his way. You also miss the everyone is a dog expert one. Oh, yeah. That's Everyone's okay. an expert. Yeah, I think a lot of the jokes are um, I think a lot of it is really good. Like, uh, like uh, this is the first one or I guess this is the second one where there's like a reoccurring gag again, like when they're all smashing the bottles. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's really funny the first time. But uh, after, like, the fourth time, I was like, okay, this joke is getting a little stale. Yeah, but then after I, the uh, 20th time, it gets funnier again. So, <laughs> so, but there is, a, there is a hidden gem in this episode, and I think it was one of the reasons. Uh, let me guess, let me guess. Because of, because of what you said so far, it's Jonesy's storyline. It's the gay Riley and Jonesy. Yeah. It's yes. the, the gay Riley and Jonesy were that moment in the show where I was like, uh, I was like, oh, like, we're getting we're getting new characters but we're also getting characters that are like these inverse versions of and the way they dress down riley and jonesy in the gym is just so amazing to me right like especially like the uh like when they're talking about uh uh i think they're talking about chell which is like nhl uh like the the hockey game right (laughs) and he's just like he's like i'll help you tap that a button a a Hey, I'm just like, I'm like, you know, like they are just giving them the gears in this episode. And I'm like, I love it. And they're just kind of helpless and they just take it now. And what's even better than that is uh, by like the eighth season, they all end up playing hockey together. They're all like, they're all friends. So like they, they become really good friends after this. And again, it just kind of deepens this one dimensional bro characters of uh, Riley and Jonesy. But, um, but those guys are hilarious and they show up in uh, a lot of different episodes and pretty much do the same thing. Well, I think you see them again in the, uh, one of the last episodes, um, they they show up again. But yeah, um, yeah I I love those guys. I think they're great. What about the uh, let's let's move on to the Christmas episode. Sure. Okay. Okay. Okay, fellas. Yeah. Um, I think that this was the weakest of the five. Um, and I think it's because when when I see a Christmas episode, right, you're expecting several things. One of them is you're expecting maybe like all the characters or something that's not quite normal, but in the style of whatever show you're watching. And maybe you're also wa- I, I, when I watch a Christmas episode, I'm also watching for rewatchability. Like, oh, maybe I can put this in my regular Christmas rotation for two months out of the year. Uh, and I don't think yeah. it met any of those. Um, there were funny parts, but I don't think it's like a, a Christmas classic, which it doesn't have to be. That's just me being a jerk and nitpicky. And a lot of the characters, either I didn't know enough or I didn't care about. Right. And I don't know. Okay. Cause like, this doesn't seem like a show, like you should care about plot, but even Stuart, like his, his crew, like still is annoying to me. It took me a while to 
to grow on the the hockey bros but at first i didn't really like them but um i think it succeeds a little bit more than you're giving it credit to for a couple reasons number one there's a a gag in the beginning which to me like you're looking for something to set the tone and to place it in this realm of like christmas specials and for me it's the idea of wayne uh having this secret obsession about throwing the perfect christmas party or the best christmas yeah, party yeah ever. i did like that part like the the cold open pre and how he's willing like to that. bring all these disparate groups of people who are usually against each other um together to just make this party big and i also love the random box of christmas drinks that only comes out around this time of year because that is some true shit i am not a drinker but family christmas parties drinks that nobody wants yeah nobody wants to drink them any other time of year and they're all out in full force right for that christmas party yep uh yeah i you know i jeff i definitely get what you're saying i don't get an overwhelming christmas vibe from this episode either i feel like the the fact that it's a christmas episode is almost i just did air quotes for everyone <laughs> yes watching he did on there, confirmed on there. Yeah. confirmed uh so I'm, I'm great at this so uh yeah i don't really get like a, a traditional christmasy feel from it i i like this episode because i again i think there are a lot of funny parts and um uh and i think probably where i overshot the mark was i was trying to give you guys a good example of like all of the characters and again like right. like tannis is in this is in this episode and i don't think you've seen tannis up until this point well also who's actually, who's bonnie is that like is that his girlfriend or so bonnie mcmurray is uh uh mcmurray bieber eyes mcmurray and mr mcmurray's it's it's his uh sister and she is like i think just 20 or something like that and she is like i think the is viewed as like kind of like the unattainable girl on the show. Okay. Right? So like everyone's everyone's always kind of after Bonnie McMurray. And Bonnie McMurray very clearly likes Wayne and Wayne is obviously not interested because okay. of the, the age difference. And, yeah. So um But I mean other than like that not knowing who that character was, I think you picked it, you did a good job picking the episodes. Because uh, right. you yeah, could I, I could follow along pretty well. Right, but also I think that like there's there's like a little subplot with Tannis and she's in a bunch of episodes where she's really good and and I think that like they do a good job bringing all of those characters back together in this, but I think that maybe not having watched all of the seasons up into that point, it probably falls a little short on like is Tannis the, the new? Is that the bartender? No, that's Gail. Oh, um, okay, because she, she had a, a scene stealing. Uh, yeah, so so Gail is insane, right? And like to yeah. the point where I was like, yeah. is she okay as a person, or is this just like a <laughs> uh, for real, or is this just like a character she's playing? And I was watching Orphan Black uh, over the winter, and she shows up in like an episode or two episodes of Orphan Orphan Black, and like she's a really good actress. She's like she's totally normal. Oh, that's I'm just good. Like, so she is like. I, I don't know what she's on when they're filming Letter Kenny, but it's like her hips won't stop wiggling. Oh, dude, like, yeah. She's like, like constantly just moving like this. Like, it's very... In the uh, next episode, not, she's just like air humping nonstop. It's dude, so yeah, funny. so I, I really... <laughs> not is by far probably one of my favorite overall episodes. I can't wait to talk about it. But um, but yeah, there, there were really high points in this for me too. Like... Um, I, I like the way uh, I like the way Wayne deals with the implied sexism of giving Tannis an apron. The way he just oh, kind of like yes, yeah. kind of, <laughs> that kind was of easily easily not in like a ha ha I told you so kind of way. Just like because of the text, mm. <laughs> like because that means you're a good cook and you don't like dudes getting up in your grill while you're cooking. <laughs> you know the text like that like 
That's you done being a cow now, or yeah, and like I, I mentioned with the pastor and the ditch, and he's giving out he, he right. gave out gifts to everybody. Like Dan said, he's trying to bring everybody together. But I think the highlight of this was the coach guy talking about oh, his God. dead wife Barb because this is season I forgot what season this is like six five or five and. It, in the previous season with the golf course, he mentioned his dead wife, but in this one, he takes it up a notch and he's talking about, uh, he, he got a like a Kickstarter log for a fire and it, it gave him it made him remember making love to his wife in front <laughs> yeah. of the fire. But he just kept going and going and I Wayne is just sitting singing. there and he's like asking if Wayne would f her. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never noticed. You never noticed you're huge. And he's yeah, like, no, it's so like, funny. <laughs> and it's just it's great how uncomfortable he's getting in all of these situations. You know what I mean? Like he's just like he's like just clenching his jaw through the whole like through the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought the coach was the coach was the part that kind of like knocked me off my chair again. Like I, I was I was um, I was really. And then I also really like the part where uh, um, at the very end with Riley and Jonesy on either side of the chair. And like, I don't know what it was about that scene. Like they're supposed to be drunk, but it, it seems like that scene was like the hardest scene to pull off. Like they had just been laughing their whole way through it or like they couldn't. They were trying to get Wayne to break the entire time because there was something about like when they're talking about taking down girls over Wayne and Wayne's just kind of sitting there with that pain look on his face. Like, <laughs> there's something like where like I feel like that was about to that was such a fragile scene to film like one of them was about to go at any time. I don't know what it was, but something about that scene was like really, really funny to me. So let's get into the last episode, which Ian says is one of his favorites. I have to admit, I didn't love this episode. I thought it was a little little one note for me. Well, you you talk me into it, Ian. Uh, so I think it was the way that they take a, uh, an issue like the the porn that people watch. Uh, <laughs> I like the way that they apply it to all of these characters. I really like Gail in this because I like Gail has like the weather vane for poor. Like she immediately knows something's wrong with Squirrely Dan. Hmm. Uh, I think she gets a lot of really good lines. Uh, sorry, Dan in advance. Uh, sorry, Jim in advance. When she says, see you in your big dick later like I, I literally just I, I literally just i think that's so funny or like the part where where rolled mentions the size of stewart's penis and she just like, like they cut to her and she goes sup skid i'm like yo like <laughs> that that drives me crazy and um i love the um i love the the joke where well i, I like how they kind of they do three separate jokes about the the, the three different videos they watch and the, the way they kind of turn those all into a bit. But I really do love uh, the line, give me that cinnamon Dunkaroos nut. <laughs> like, oh, I, I did laugh a lot at that because at that point yeah. I was like, okay, I get it. These are funny. These are funny. And then this character that I don't like the whole time says cinnamon Dunkaroo. Right. And I was and like, it is, okay. It is 100% his uh, delivery too. Because he says it with this yeah. like unbridled cinnamon Dunkaroos nut like that. Like he just gets really ramped up. Yeah, that and those two were actually probably the best part about the episode for me maybe because they were talking about gay porn but the subtitle said g-a-e and i was like oh and then like later on they say that his girlfriend's name was gay and i'm so like oh whole... it means it means two things and i didn't know that and it makes it pretty yeah. funny but it was like it kept going on and on and on yeah well that's the other thing too is in one of the seasons there's a whole plot line with with uh, his girlfriend gay and uh, they they moved to the city. They moved to the city to start selling drugs, 
and uh, yeah, there's like a, <laughs> he goes through this big transformation. Um, yeah, so again, like I, uh, I, I guess probably some of it falls flat just because there's not that that buildup of experience. But yeah, I um I, I like all, I like all of the takes. I, I think it's a good. Um, uh, I, I think it's a. Um, this was it's, a straight up. This was a straight up joke, right? Like you said that there's not much plot in the show, but we've seen that there is. There's character growth. There's yeah. a lot of stuff. But this episode was just one joke, which Dan didn't prefer. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. There's not much to talk about. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it would have worked better as like a short, maybe like a YouTube video, 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Right. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. But um, this episode was the only episode I couldn't finish because I did oh, not like Jimmy. it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, this is the first thing I've this is the first time I've ever done this and talked me into history where I was like. Nope, I'm not into this oh, one. Really? Um, I, I feel like I, you've yeah. done that before because I've definitely done that with garbage you've given us. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is the uh, this is the. I first famously one, but, skipped uh, an entire was, novel. Yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so this one, I was uh, I was like, oh, they're doing the sex sounds. They did that in the first episode. I'm good. Um, uh, it, oh, you it, know, I didn't even like think. I, said. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and I guess with. You know, like thirty episodes in between those two jokes, it might not become as apparent. But now that you're saying that, yeah, I, t- I totally get that. Yeah. So it's yeah, Ian's I, fault I mean, is why you didn't like it. <laughs> like I said, like I said, it's if if I, if if if, the, if you guys don't get talked into this, it's my fault, not Letterkenny's fault. I'm confident. Oh, interesting. Um, but no, that uh, I guess we can sort of get into overall thoughts yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I, I did write down a uh, sort of like a little monologue of, of different <laughs> oh, things. Oh boy, um, and uh, Ian, this he's is going to filibuster. Be... Ian, you're getting you're getting at least one no for certain right now. I don't know how oh, the other you two are going to go. You honestly, I, I'm very torn on this. Uh, we'll get into it, but wow. uh, I I did really really want to like this. Um, uh, I think one of the things, the only things that really do make me like laugh really hard, are uh, some of the goofy potty humor in the beginning. Um, uh, like uh, Squirrely Dan said that he he had to. Um, he had to deliver a pound of fudge. I thought that was really good. And uh, a lot of the sex talk is funny because sex is inherently very funny. Yes, it is. Um, but uh, Nut, I thought, was just a little too much. Like, I was like, oh, I get the joke. Um, well, there was that good conversation about uh, da- calling people daddy and then him thinking it was their actual dad. <laughs> I don't think I got there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, uh, I did get there, Out and early. that was pretty funny. Oh, that always gets me there. Wink, wink. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so, uh, and then we get to a lot of the reoccurring jokes where um, uh, the, uh, like I said, the relationships when I thought it did it the best because there was enough variety in every single one. And, like, it, there was also a, a buildup, too, of the Goldilocks thing because it was like, oh, this one's too hard. This one's uh, too soft. And this one's just right. Um, but, uh uh, when we got to the uh, the golf course one where they're doing the the bottle smashing over and over and over again, I was like, okay, I kind of see what they're doing, but it's not really working for me. But uh, I don't know, man, because I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna listening. argue you on that point because okay. I know that you are a huge fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and Ian made the yes. great comparison that this is the most Always Sunny episode there is, and like that's. 87% of it's always sunny is just like the same thing over and over and over again, like one joke per episode. Um, even more extreme too. Cause I thought that this episode did that, but tamer, which could be maybe 
maybe people would say that's less annoying than well, it's always funny. sunny or less just like say, abrasive. If you if you like Always Sunny and see this episode, I could see you not liking this episode because they didn't go as hard as Always Sunny in Philadelphia goes, or it's a, a pale or watered down imitation of It's Always Sunny. So I mean, I, I guess I could see I could see that, but I think. Uh, it's Always Sunny is one of those shows where I, I started watching, I think I've seen the first couple seasons, and then just quit altogether because, like, I, I I think what you're saying is, like, I just got tired of the same joke. I just got tired of, like, oh, I know you're, they're, they're always going to do the worst possible thing in every situation. <laughs> so, like, there's really no... I get that. So, But but I, but again, I can see... I see how you can see that with any show, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, like, like as I feel that way about, uh, about Always Sunny. And again, not to say that I hate it. It's just one of those things where, like, I don't prefer it anymore. Where I, I can yeah. see you feeling the same way about this, where like it's too niche or it's just too much of the same thing or it's too repetitious. Um, and plus, I, I also have the relationship with Always Sunny because I watched that from season one all the way up into season 14. Right. Um, so uh, like I, I'm definitely more connected to those characters. So like when people in Letterkenny are doing some batshit crazy stuff. I'm just sort of like, oh, we went from like this one episode where he's going on relationships to this episode where they're harassing people because they're killing baby. Kids. I don't know, man. Watch, so, watch, watch season one episode of its own season one, episode one of Always Sunny and then watch season seven, episode seven and see what happens, because that show took a crazy turn. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying that I had that progression as opposed okay. to. Yeah, I see uh, what you're saying. Letter Kenny was sort of like boop, boop. But that's not I'm not. Uh, demeaning Ian for picking that I'm just saying like it's just like a little bit of a stark jump yes. but, uh, oh I'm totally yes, just stirring the pot yes, that's you, what I'm doing yes, you, like I, I'm not <laughs> mad at all yes you fucking are Jimmy sorry Jimmy <laughs> so I'm gonna hold my um, overall thoughts until after we say our decision yeah I think I am too because we did talk a lot so Ian oh, um, let, let us bestow the honor upon you to ask us the the question that is on everybody's mind so excited uh, well, gentlemen, distinguished gentlemen, <laughs> did I talk you into Letterkenny? Yes. Mm. Triple yes. Jimmy, Jimmy I got a yes. I, Honestly, it was a no up until I heard Ian cackling about it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe this is funny. Like, honestly, I have to give this a second try. I, that has happened to me in many episodes of Talk Me Into where like, like insecure. I was like. Eh, this is going to be a no, but then we talked right. about it. And I was like, yeah, this is actually pretty good. I have to finish that. I really like the beginning of it. Um, I just finished the whole thing. Yeah, I really got to get back on that. Uh, I just found out what we do in the shadows has season two now. And I'm like, and I, I showed one bit of this, this se- season two premiere of what we do in the shadows within 48 hours. My wife had watched every episode. <laughs> I love how we just said yes to Letterkenny and we're talking about every show. So I want to talk about Letterkenny because what I've been keeping secret is that I am fully engaged in Letterkenny. I have finished season one and I'm going through chronologically. Uh, I, I will say it's it's not as great as some people have blown it up to me. Like, I think I was oversold a little bit. So, right. So that can mess with your expectations. Not necessarily from Ian, but like some podcasts that I listen to, they've like really said like, oh, it's groundbreaking and it rises Uh. above comedic tropes. I don't feel that. To me, it reminds me a lot of uh, Trailer Park Boys mixed with Always Sunny in Philadelphia, sort of like a hybrid of those two. And uh, it's uh, it's very fun. I'm not fully invested in like, like I don't try to figure out what they're saying. I just understand what they're saying contextually and just move on. But it's a fun, quick watch. 
Uh, yeah, I, I'm a I'm a yes because I think that it's clever enough and unique enough to stand out. Like 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 you said, Dan, it's not groundbreaking by any means, but it's a little different enough. Right. It's kind of like Parks and Rec to the Office. There's aspects much of it that are show, groundbreaking, but different but, enough to be different. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and. I don't know. It's just it's really well written. It's super tight. It's like like 30 Rock, right? Every single word written in 30 Rock needs to be in the place it's at for the joke to mm. work. And I feel like that's almost the case here. Like everything is scripted so well and super tight. And go, going back to editing, like you need good editing in a comedy show or the writers and actors don't mean shit. Also, the characters, I think, are very good. Uh, very, very good. good. Very because, good. Um, the uh we only watched five episodes but like those characters have made a lasting impression on me i think wayne is probably one of my favorites oh yeah um uh, uh dan is also great like that whole uh prostate tickling scene i thought was phenomenal it was um, so funny yeah the uh uh the the priest or preacher he was super great i loved him in that relationships episode and like uh, I, I want to see more of them. So that, that's why I was ultimately yeah. a yes. And I will say to support Ian and to encourage you guys to watch more, all these little repetition jokes are even so much better when you watch in chronological order because like just the whole like, how are you then? Good and you? Like all that stuff is in like every right single episode. And yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this, uh, Dan, real quick. So I, I was, I really, having seen the first season, I really wanted to do season one, episode one, and season one, episode two, uh, the super soft birthday party. Do you think if I had replaced the Christmas episode with that second episode? Because I really, I like that episode because of the fighting. I like the fact that, like, it shows how how touching they are, that, like, they go out of their way to do this, like, embarrassing thing for Derry that's, like, actually kind of for them. Like, I felt that that really kind of helped cement the characters. Do you think that would have been a better decision, or did you like that episode? I mean, I don't want to, like, dig a grave for you, but what I'll say is out of everything I've seen, your episodes and stuff that I've seen on my own, Super Soft Birthday Party is my favorite episode. Shit. So I <laughs> encourage you guys to at least go back and watch that one season one episode two, now, because for everything well, Ian, that you definitely said. got a yes from all of us. So you did something. I did right. something. And, yeah, I, I squeaked. And by. I'm definitely going to be uh, be binging this in the free time that we all have. Yeah. But see, like now, now, Dan, I will say this a season uh, one, episode three, fart book. Not one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Missable. Don't really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah completely missable, I think. But um but uh, yeah, we'll uh, well. Uh, I'm I'm so happy. I feel like I squeaked by with like an 81. percent So <laughs> I feel like I got a low well, a low B. Oh, uh, it's it's well, good. This was this was this was fun having you on, Ian. Hey. And I think that because of our recording schedule, we're not going to have you on next episode. But we do want to have you back on. Oh, and okay. Next time we're gonna switch this shit around, and we're gonna try to talk you into something. Okay. Something similar to Letter Kenny. All right. Better. Hmm. We'll find out. We are going to try to talk you into Trailer Park Boys. That's awesome. I have never seen an episode of Trailer Park Boys. Um, I've heard the comparison to Letterkenny made uh, time and time again. The only thing uh, I've ever seen even tangentially related to Trailer Park Boys is there is like a rapper from like Michigan, uh, some white dude named Prof, and he did a video that was like, trailer park boys inspired (laughs) and i know so little about the show i was like oh he got the trailer park boys in his video and then i showed it to a friend it was like 
No, that's just people playing them. Like, oh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah, it's. Uh, so I, we'll we'll talk a lot more about that uh, when when we have you back. Um, but also next episode, Dan and Jimmy yeah. are going to try to talk me into the Father John Misty. Not the, the father. Just father John Misty. I don't know. It's, you're doing it. I'm just hosting. I don't oh, know. We are called. talking you into Father John Misty. Jimmy, uh, this are is, you? Yeah. This is someone that, that Jimmy and I have been into for a little while. I think I got Jimmy into him. Right, Jim? Yep. Yep. You're right. Ian, do you know who this is? Uh, it sounds like a really complicated, expensive drink at the Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get more I'll into have a father, it. I'll have a Father John Misty. Would you like that with Patron? Yeah. <laughs> we will. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm on vacation. We will get more into it at the beginning of next episode. But basically, uh, he was a longtime drummer of Fleet Foxes who oh, has right. <laughs> gone off on his own to make uh, definitely like I, want, I don't want to say similar. Uh, it's inspired by what you hear from Fleet Foxes, but he, he definitely goes in a more pop rock uh, avenue. I love pop Fleet rocks. Foxes. But we'll talk more about that next time. In the meantime, um, in the meantime, Ian, where can yes. people find you online? <laughs> I want to ask more questions. Is he, is he actually a father? Is he a father to children? Is he like a pastor or in some sort of, or it does, was this name bestowed upon him or did this dude uh, just wake up one day and was like, you know what? I'm father. Father. John. I'm going to really uh, blow your mind. Is that his Ian, given name? Ian, his name is not even John Misty. What? Oh my the God. The whole thing is a title. Next, you're going to tell me that Sting's name isn't actually Sting. That's yeah, Bob <laughs> Dylan right. isn't Bob Dylan. Come yeah. on. Wait, what? So, Robert Zimmerman, where can we find you online? Yeah. You can find me uh, at Bob Dylan. Uh, <laughs> BobDylan.com. Um, I've just released a... Uh, no, you can uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Ian underscore face. Uh, you can get like, oh my God, all sorts of just like witticisms and funny pictures. I put a bottle of vodka in the toaster oven. It was like, I'm cooking. During I saw it. It was so funny. <laughs> so funny. It really, you know what it was? The punchline was I was pouring a bottle of wine into a muffin pan. I really, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I was, hold on. I just a slice of life. I was so Sorry, Jimmy. I'm so f***ing pleased with that joke. I was like walking around like, eh, eh, eh. I was like, I'm funny on the internet. Uh, so you can find all sorts of really great content in my my, my terrible takes on movies on at underscore face. I also talk about my comics a lot. Um, uh, thanks, Jimmy, again for reminding me at the top of the episode. I also have a website uh, called ianmondrick.com where you can uh, buy some of my comics. Guys, I just sold out of the first printing of Tomb of the White Horse. Ooh, so congrats. Now, yeah, so now, mm. thank you. Um, uh, so I gotta get a second printing done now and then um, Tomb of the Red Horse Kickstarter hopefully coming this year nice um, hopefully bef- hopefully by summer I don't know uh, I'm gonna keep pushing on it but um, well you know where it's at it's really cool it takes place in Las Vegas and uh, lots of people die we wow. are very excited Yay. for Tomb of the Red Horse thank you thank you so much um, thank, and listen thank you guys so much for having me on like this was so much fun I was legit nervous uh, like to, to it's be just on, us baby girls just us yeah no but I was but it's like this is a, like you guys this is a real deal this is like a, a good show I love this show like I didn't I didn't want to let you guys down uh, 
yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really thankful to be a part of it. I'm glad you guys like Letterkenny. Thank you so much again for Yeah, and there's like a pretty good chance. I would say like 55% that this episode actually goes to air. So, I mean, you did pretty good. <laughs> oh, thanks, yes. I mean, listen, even if not, I just the, uh, the, the experience was like, it, it'll always live forever in my heart and my mind. Yeah. So, Jimmy. Where can people yeah. find the podcast online? Oh, they can find the podcast at Talk Me Into. And uh, if you feel so inclined, you can send us an email, talkmeinto at gmail.com, where you can uh, rate and review the podcast. If you can't do that on Apple Podcasts. Um, so, yeah, do that. And where are you? Oh, you can also find me at Son of a Fitch, S O N N A V A F I T C H. It's the pun. You can find it on Twitter and Instagram. Jeff, how about you? Where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at J-E-F-F-F-F-F-27, Jeff with five Fs, the number 27, and on novistry.com slash bagged and boredom <laughs> slash comics. <laughs> Hit up the Wayback Machine, baby. Oh, it's internet. there. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put there is some bagged and boredom strips on our patreon.com slash talk me in two page and I'm gonna upload some more because they're pretty there, bad. There are <laughs> some bag and board web comics that me and Dan uh, Dan and I? Yes. Dan one of those. Did, the other uh, Dan. Who's uh, the writer? I don't yeah, I only do this for a living, guys. Uh um yeah, it um it it's it's uh yeah, like I'll I'll fuse vertebrae in my spine together that I'm cringing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan, where can people find your cherubesque face on the internet? <sighs> I'm on Twitter under the name Danny underscore breakdown. Uh you could find me retweeting comedic tweets from Ian. And Thanks. as always, thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? Fleet faxes. No, not fleet. a father. A father, John Sierra Miss. <laughs> Three. Wait, hold on. One oh. more. Father Miss Twist. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, sorry. Back to. We'll wait right. to clap. I didn't, other, I didn't believe the other track, and then it started recording the new track while it was playing the old track, and I'm like, I'm of myself. What the. F- <laughs> all right i am, i wish that was recording i'm glad recording. that wasn't i'm glad the other stuff was but i'm what the part where we one. talked about jeff's emo song it's so hard yeah how did that go again Dan? <laughs> it's so hard to say these words and you said that he wrote that song unironically yeah he didn't even realize there was a pun in it huh no he was not aware of the innuendo at all nope zero in the, e- in the emo song that he wrote yeah, in the song entitled It's So Hard. Hmm. Uh, it was just called So Hard. Oh, okay. It's a bummer we didn't get that on mic. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, very glad I didn't record like a demo or anything of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen. It's Jeff, on Patreon I should. Now. I wish, I kind of wish I had the lyrics still. It was in a shoebox that we called Grandpa <laughs> that we put all of our lyrics in. And uh, I think it, I think it was left at Dan Clark's house, so it's definitely gone now. This is decades ago. We're old now, Dan. Yeah, we're we're middle aged men. Uh, yeah, oh, sucks to suck. This is how I know that Jeff's a good podcaster because when he finds himself in a hole, his first instinct is to keep digging. Yep. Right. <laughs> like it was like, yeah, that's a really embarrassing song that we. Well, have. I think it's funny. I, like I would t- if, if that's if I did ever have those lyrics or the song, I would one thousand percent put it on Patreon. That's hilarious. Oh, I, I, I one thousand percent want you to find it. 
Uh, no, there, there is nothing that exists. Okay, Jim, uh, you want to go down clapping? 